Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. United Methodist Pastor, North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all of your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Leviticus 26, verses 34 through 46. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate, and you are in the country of your enemies. And then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths that you lived in it. And as for those who are left, I will make their hearts so fearful in the lands of their enemies that the sound of a wind-blown leaf will put them to flight. They will run as though fleeing from the sword, and they will fall, even though no one is pursuing them. They will stumble over one another as though fleeing from the sword, even though no one is pursuing them. And so you will not be able to stand before your enemies. You will perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will devour you. And those of you who are left will waste away in the lands of their enemies because of their sins. Also because of their ancestors' sins, they will waste away. But if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them so that I sent them into the land of their enemies... Then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land will be deserted by them and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. They will pay for their sins because they rejected my laws and abhorred my decrees. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord their God, but for their sake I will remember the covenant with their ancestors whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the decrees, the laws, and regulations that the Lord established at Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. 1 John 2, verses 7 through 17. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. 
But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Friday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings uh, come to us courtesy of Adam Baker and follow uh, through Psalm 119. And then a good meaty portion from Leviticus 26 and then finally 1 John 2, which is very similar to my favorite passage uh, in 1 John 4, but I think it's slightly different. Um, the, um, the, the passage that stood out to me this morning <laughs> was kind of this taunting passage of God saying, um, in Leviticus to the Israelites, um, as for those who survive, I had the NRSV and I'm not sure what Adam was reading. As for those of you who survive, I'll send a faintness into their hearts and the lands of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight and they shall flee as one flees from the sword. And they shall fall even though no one pursues them. It feels like like um, some, <laughs> something you would say to someone you're really, really pissed off at. Um, but probably don't really want to screw them up too bad. Um, and frankly, it reminds me of like a Scottish tattoo or um, a Maori haka. Where they, you know, a lot of it, I spoke earlier this week about... Historically, uh, through human history, wars have been much more for posturing. Death tolls were very low. Um, and the point was uh, to really, you know, winning was not, you know, how many of your enemy could you attrit, which is a fancy military smarty pants word for die off or to, to lose out or, or um, whittle down. Um, but it was who, you know, it's a, it was a game of chicken. Um, and it wasn't until the advent of, you know, basically machine guns, um, and other advanced weaponry, industrial weaponry from, at least in American history, from the Civil War onward. And ironically enough, I work at Harper's Ferry, which is the site of the, uh, U.S. arsenal that created these, um, interchangeable, uh, rifle parts and made, um, you know, mass production of weapons possible. And it wasn't until we could we could put the cart before the horse when we when the objective was winning at all costs and not posturing and getting what we want um when it became about pride and not practice is when um when we started seeing these enormous death tolls uh, world war one world war two vietnam um but i digress this morning uh, is the feast of saint valentine 
Um, and it, I, I don't know if it was intended by the the um, editors of the Revised Common Lectionary, but certainly First um, John uh, and, and most of the Johannine literature is very, very interested in love. Um, and the uh, it's no coincidence either that it's Valentine's Day, and we think of Valentine's Day as being one of love. Thank you, Hallmark. Uh, but it is actually, it originated as a feast day, not of a soldier saint. Um, but there are some some traditions associated with St. Valentinus that uh, I think are worth noting. Um, not, and I, I won't get into that before I, I um, point out that love is much more than... S- uh, sentimental feelings. It's it's not just uh, rainbows and sunshine. Love is a commitment. Um, there's this song that I love by Thrice. Um, I can't remember the lyric right now, but it's it's a burden that you agree to bear. Um, and this burden, um, you have to agree to bear it ahead of time in, say, marriage, because that burden will change. Another really wise person has said, um, and I forget who it was originally, but you marry something like five or six different people. Because in the course of your life, if you live very long at all, you change, you, you, um, you evolve as a person. And your partner um, has agreed to bear the burden of who that person is, whether that includes mental illness, um, whether that includes um, all kinds of different, you know, new... Um, kind of perspectives that that you might inherit as you go through the fullness of life that God has given us. Um, And so Valentine's Day, um, we get a lot of the sentimental bullshit, and it's really kind of annoying. And it, you know, distracts from the very fine and logical reason you might have to send your loved one roses, you know, in the middle of June or something. Um, there's nothing stopping you from doing it, but for some reason we have like these one days that we put all this meaning into, like Veterans Day. Uh, so th- if the effect is that we really only think about it in light of that day, roses, chocolate, you know, candlelights, finding a babysitter, all that gets distilled into this one day, and we lose sight of having to do that every day. And I think that's uh, that's reflective of the saint of the story of Saint Valentinus and and the saints in general. Um, the point is not to to project them into these godlike figures that absolve us of any real human and creaturely uh, expectation of doing good and being good. Um, but I can already tell I'm rambling. I find St. Valentine interesting um, um, in part because I love the saints and I think there's so many examples of saints being whitewashed or sterilized for, you know, turning a buck and, and, you know, maybe getting some chocolate or something. Um, but I had to look this up, why Valentine was is about love and romanticism, and it has a lot to do with the medieval period, and um, a one of the most popular books at that time was Jacob de Voragine's Golden Legend. And the Golden Legend never intended to be an historical account of the saints. It was like comic book version even that's not really fair. Comic books at least still try and carry some kind of character arc. It was this overly embellished um, 
uh, I don't know, appropriation of the saints at a time when the church was seeking for seeking something um, for hope that the church hadn't totally fucked itself over by like selling indulgences and everything else. Um, but I did find that um, Valentinus, who's a third or I'm sorry, fourth century Christian, right around the time when soldier saints are appearing, because there are these persecutions in the time, as far as uh, I can tell, he was probably, there's a couple of different people that might be the saint that gives us the name St. Valentine for Valentine's Day, um, but Valentinus was actually a pretty common name in the fourth century, um, and there are two that are contenders for who it might be related to, um, and either or both of them are priests. Uh, it was illegal to be a Christian, and to be a priest was particularly problematic, um, and depending on which person or life story you follow, um, there's a story that seems to be common, kind of sort of, there's different elements that kind of cross over, I guess. But apparently, um, he cures a judge's daughter of blindness. There's also this story of him, because he's a priest, he's engaging in marriages, he's marrying people, um, which was kind of weird for the Romans. Um, and I think there's actually a separate kind of conversation about what, you know, the, the development of marriage, but anyway. Um, and so between children and marriages, he became this, and I actually have the golden legend, I should have brought it down, but he becomes this kind of figure of sentimentality in romance um, because of these two things. And then, you know, the chivalric kind of, you know, damsel in distress, you know, savor, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of how it came to be. His connection with the military, which I find interesting because it's a fairly credible account um, from when, where was it? Uh, I can't, oh, I can't remember where the account actually appears. Um, but there's one, um, that is eh, kind of sort of credible, but, you know, probably also legendary, which means embellished and kind of spun up. Um, but there is this one that suggests that Valentinus was a priest that was marrying people, um, in secret in order to allow the husbands to avoid military conscription. Um, and so uh, you can hear in that certain, like, pacifist instincts about, like, not joining the military, and that was very popular sentiment at the time, um, that Christians had this belief that the military itself represented, you know, something like the eagles in the temple, um, uh, you know, under... Um, under Titus, when the Roman eagle was installed within the the holy temple, and there's this big revolt, like a lot of people at the time and still to this day think the military represents kind of a bridge too far that we can't do that as Christians, and we don't know anything about Valentine or Valentinus reliably, but we do know that the ledge, the the stories that kind of coalesce and eventually become what we know of today. Um, had something to do with marriages and having children, which of course requires sex, and maybe that's why it gets all um, uh, aphrodisious, I suppose. Um, but this one other thing that I just find interesting is that he would marry, he would marry couples in order to allow the men to dodge the draft. Um, 
and I, I went into recording this morning thinking I had the actual citation, but now I can't find it. Um, but uh, I do encourage my listeners to remember that love is is much more than just um, even more than well, the ring represents the promise, but um, it does include those puppies and sunshine. It does include roses and chocolate, um, but it encompasses so much more than just those things. Um, it encompasses, and it's reflected in um, God's love for us, which is um, alarmingly steadfast. And it, um, God even mentions, he's, he's very careful. God's very careful to not violate his promises, such that he, uh, in, um, in Leviticus, he says, I won't kill them all out because then I'd, break my, I'd be breaking my promise. Um, love is about promises. Um, hopefully it doesn't get to the point where you massacre your covenant partner, but um, love is really about the burden that we agree to bear for one another um, and the burden that we we recognize that we place upon those we love um, in anticipation of um, also accepting their burdens. It's for those we love from the book of common prayer almighty god we entrust all who are dear to us to your never-failing care and love for this life and the life to come knowing that you are doing for them better things than we can desire or pray for through jesus christ our lord amen Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with the recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.